because like a startup there's no there's no real clocking out yeah yeah like you're always working and um i feel like bitcoiners they they're able to see that end goal and it's not a okay yeah i'm just here for like a job and it's fun like mm -hmm. whenever i visit austin for katie and i to get work done like we we're having fun while we're working like it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like actual work Welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast, where we interview entry-level to C-level executives about working in the Bitcoin industry, learn about their interview process, what they do day-to-day -day at their Bitcoin job, and advice for current job seekers looking to work full-time in Bitcoin. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast. I'm your host, Eric Podwatchki, and today I'm joined by my friend, Jessica Hodler, who is COO at Plan B Passport. Thanks for joining me, Jessica. No, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, totally. So we got to briefly meet at Bitcoin Miami in 2023 here. Uh, it was great meeting you in person, and I'm happy we can, uh, you know, get together and have a further chat. So yeah, sure. diving into it now, uh, tell me before this whole Bitcoin thing kind of took over your life, what did you do professionally beforehand? Yeah, so I was actually pretty young when I first found Bitcoin. I was still in college. Um, mm -hmm. My mom was the one who actually orange pilled me. Um, she first heard about Bitcoin when Alex Jones had Max Kaiser on his show, and that's when he gave him the 10,000 Bitcoin on a laptop. Um, but it wasn't until I was, I think it was 20. So I was still in college when I first found Bitcoin. Mm. Um, and I was actually majoring in industrial engineering and technology. So I graduated, um, was doing my own thing for a bit. And then literally like six months later, COVID happened. So, um, you know, everybody was working from home um, and, you know, the absolute craziness was happening. And uh, it was basically my parents and I ranting in our kitchen, just like, how is everybody just, you know, laying over, allowing all these mandates to happen and all this stuff. And so my mom was like, you know, just get on Twitter. Um, you know, there are a bunch of, you know, freedom fighters on there, Bitcoiners on there, Max and Stacy are on there. Just get on there and see if you meet like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's when I got on Twitter and I started just basically throwing my ideas out there and how I thought Bitcoin was freedom technology. And then I found out that Bitcoin uh, 2021 was happening in Miami. So that's when my mom and I went to the conference and met, you know, all the Bitcoiners and my forever friends now. Yeah. And, and um, that was actually where Katie and I met. So we were invited to a dinner by a guy that we had met. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm just getting this little dinner together. And um, her and I ended up talking that night, just realizing we aligned on principles, values, how we see the world. And then a couple months later, she reached out and she was like, hey, like, what are you up to? Would you want to work together? And, mm. and here we are. Gotcha. So it was more of a personality fit more than anything. Yeah, for sure. We actually realized that we had pretty similarly parallel lives, just me in the U.S. and her in Russia. Yeah. 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 Interesting, huh? And then, so you were studying industrial engineering in school. Um, did you have a job in that field beforehand or did you just jump straight into Bitcoin, really? Yeah, so I briefly uh, worked at TaylorMade, the golf company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in their engineering department um, and I did that for a summer and then, but I realized I was like, there's no way I'm going to be sitting at a desk for <laughs> 40 hours a week 
for however long of a period. And so then I was just like, no, this isn't for me. Okay. And yeah. did you know when, before you left, did you know you wanted to work specifically in the Bitcoin space or kind of, you were just open to anything? Um, I was pretty open to anything, but I also realized like the kind of environment that a typical workplace is. And I was yeah. just like, mm, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, similar to you, I studied engineering in school. Uh, I had an engineering job, civil engineering job for a couple of years post university and had the same exact feeling. Essentially, I found myself sitting inside of an office in a, in a, just a dreary gray office, uh, where you weren't allowed to like get up and talk to people. Like they just discouraged that they're just like, sit down, shut up, basically do your work. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, man, there's gotta be so much more to life than this. And I think so many people just kind of accept that. Uh, so and I think Bitcoiners are different because we think a little outside the box. We're like, no, what? No, life does not need to be this way. Yeah. So, um, salute to you for, for realizing that early on. Um, and how has your life been different since you left the, the fiat job world compared to now? Oh man. Um, I mean, my life is great. I mean, uh, I travel all the time. I get to surround myself with like-minded people. Um, you know, people who actually want a better and brighter future. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's no one to say better to hang out with. Um, I'm co-partner with Katie now. So we're, you know, focused on building the business, um, you know, providing people with more freedoms than their current governments offer them. So mm -hmm. same. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Working in Bitcoin is pretty fun here. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious as well. Do you, does, did your uh, industrial engineering degree, did that set you up for success later in life in your professional career? Because I'm always weighing back and forth, like, is college worth it or not? I think it depends on the person. I don't think everybody needs to go to college. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it did just because, um, like, I'm the COO, so it's all operations-based, and my degree was mainly about creating efficient processes, making sure there's no waste in terms of yeah. whether it's time, finances, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like it's... I don't think it was a waste by any means. Okay. No, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I, I get a mix of answers. So always I'm curious. Sure. <laughs> so tell me your Bitcoin story then. Where, where does it start exactly? Your mom introduced you to it? Yeah, basically. So I came back home from college for like a summer break or something. And mm -hmm. she's like, there's this freedom technology called Bitcoin, like look into it. So I did. And I realized I'm like, this is going to change the lives of every single person on this planet if they decide to accept it. So yeah. um, I was like, yeah, definitely. And I I mean, honestly, I wish I had gotten onto Twitter sooner because then I would have met like all my friends now so mm -hmm. much sooner. But um, basically, yeah, I decided to jump into Bitcoin, got onto Bitcoin Twitter, and then went to the conferences. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's unpack that some more, but I guess I want to dive more into like your mom's background. Like how did, how was she primed for Bitcoin? When did she first come around? So she, I mean, she, wow. She basically raised me to be red pilled. We've been listening to Alex Jones for, since I was like 10 okay. um, and, and she homeschooled me as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was like, she primed me to be a, you know, free thinker, uh, you know, always questioning the current narrative and yeah. all that stuff. Um, so we were already pretty open to it because we were already 
red pilled, you know, mm-hmm. and um, we already saw that, you know, governments don't have our needs in mind, not like they preach to. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you don't have real control over your money, it's not your money. And, you know, Bitcoin is this permissionless, borderless, um, inflation resistant money that you mm-hmm. can actually do what you want when you want with your money. And it's, I mean, it's pretty as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And did you go down the, the shitcoin trading route at all? Or are you always like kind of Bitcoin maximalist? No, Bitcoin? I mean, I was, I was so busy at school. I literally didn't even have, I didn't even know what was going on. I saw in 2017 that it hit like 20,000 and I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that was it. Cause I was so busy with school. I just yeah. didn't have time for it. No, it's great. Honestly, you avoided uh, some pain there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of rare, honestly, not to, to skip over the, the altcoin phase but yeah I could, I could thank college for that i guess <laughs> yeah 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 um, i i was in college too during that time I, I ended up losing all my money for the for the bars so i had to stay oh. in for a little bit but it was okay that's all i made it back hey guys real quick as a bitcoin focused recruiting firm our goal at bitcoin talent co is to bring as many professionals into the bitcoin industry as possible since we don't run ads, our one ask is to rate, review, and share this podcast with friends and family so more people can find this show. Thanks, and now back to the interview. You mentioned the, the Bitcoin conference as well. Your first one was in 2021. Mm-hmm. How important was that for your career? Because I think a lot of Bitcoiners like to hide behind the computer and don't like to get out in the wild and see people yeah. in person. So yeah, I'd like to unpack that some more and just... If you can elaborate on how beneficial it was for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say it was critical because otherwise Katie and I wouldn't have had that meet. We wouldn't have been able to really dive into how we see the world, our principles, our values. Like we unpacked me being homeschooled, her being a professional sailor, Mm. me being a competitive figure skater. Like we had so many overlaps in our lives so if i didn't go to that conference and i if i didn't say yes to that dinner just by by somebody who i didn't even know who i had met like once if i didn't say yes to that i wouldn't have met her and i probably we probably wouldn't be working together i mean yeah yeah i think the lesson there is you gotta like you gotta put yourself out there in a way that's the only thing uh the only way change is going to be made and if you're looking to work in the space that's really how you have to do it that human human connection yeah Uh, do you have any advice for someone listening that would, you know, hasn't been to a conference yet, but what's like the best way to get the most out of your time at a conference? Yeah, I would say just say yes to everything. Like if you're invited to something, just go, even if you don't mm-hmm. know anybody. Cause I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I was just like, okay, I'm just this, you know, random girl <laughs> shit posting on Twitter. Like who's going to talk to me, yeah. um, but just say yes to everything. Just meet as many people as you can. Um, and put yourself out there because I mean, you can't expect anything to change if you don't do anything differently. So it's like, it's like asking for a different result for doing the same yeah. thing. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. So just put yourself, it's fun. Meeting people is fun and, and Bitcoiners, they are so warm and welcoming and they want to talk to you. And like with all my Bitcoin friends, my mm. Bitcoin friends, it's hysterical <laughs> to even say that. Uh, <laughs> Um, we don't even talk about Bitcoin half the time. That's just like the mutual interest, knowing that we're aligned on yeah. freedom technology. And then mm. that's like 
we talk about everything else under the sun. I think that's my favorite part about conferences as well. I didn't even find like this past conference. I didn't even find myself talking about Bitcoin that often. It's yeah. once you establish that you both understand Bitcoin then it's okay, let's go to the next step. Let's talk about some other topics. Cause we already think about Bitcoin all day. Yeah. Um, exactly. to, yeah. It's, it's a great way to get, get outside your comfort zone, talk about new ideas, meet new people, and then network to eventually, uh, get a job in this space. Cause in your situation, you had no idea this was coming, but the universe just had a way and put you guys together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to unpack that some more. What was that story? Like you meeting Katie, um, was plan B already like created or was it still just a thought? No. So she had been doing plan B already for over two years. Okay. And, um, when COVID happened, that's when the real spark of interest happened for people realizing, oh my gosh, like governments can just tell me what I, where I can and can't go. Yeah. Uh, this is ridiculous. So people really, um, started understanding the idea of flag theory and jurisdictional arbitrage and just basically just having options and having an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So yes, it already existed. And then I came on, um, in 2021 and then, um, and it's been, I mean, it's been amazing. We've, we traveled through Europe with a with her nine month old. We went to Amsterdam, Paris, Prague. Spoke at two conferences. Um, I'm going to Canada next week to speak at the Canadian Bitcoin conference. It's yep. just it's been awesome. That honestly does sound like you're living life right now. Yeah, being able to go from because there's so many Bitcoin conferences nowadays that you could just go from basically every month. There's a new one at least Seriously. at least one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. So, so Katie has this, right? She has this organization and obviously during COVID that really like excelled the need for it. Um, where did you fit in the picture? Like, how did you, did you convince her that you were the right fit for a COO and to help her grow this thing? Or was it just like, yeah, no, right. no. I mean, basically it was, I think it was a, the main I guess motivator was that we aligned on so many things because I feel like to grow a business with somebody you're not aligned with, first of all, personality wise, I feel like that'd yep. be pretty tough. Like we started working together. We did not know each other. Like we were not friends. We had never like met before besides the one time. Yep. And then now we're best friends. So we, you know, grew that relationship. And um, I feel like, aligning on principles and values and, you know, seeing where we'd be able to, that we'd be able to grow the company and really, you know, establish ourselves as knowledgeable people in the space. I mean, mm -hmm. it was pretty huge. Right. Yeah. And a lot of uh, companies in the Bitcoin space are startups. And I do see that similar trend where people tend to work like small groups of people, three or four people at a time, and they all just get to get along with each other. So it makes a really good founding team. Sounds like yeah. you guys are on that similar path. Tell yeah. me more. So now that we're like 15 minutes of recording, I want to learn more about Plan B. Uh, what exactly is your business? And yeah, who are you serving? Yeah, so we help Bitcoiners to obtain either a second passport or residency in jurisdictions that benefit them specifically. Mm -hmm. So we work under the idea of flag theory, which is basically you plant different flags in juris different jurisdictions. So whether it's a passport, a residency, a driver's license, um, a bank account, just yeah. basically just basically decentralizing. Um, You're like diversifying yourself in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, so it's not only just getting citizenship in another place. It's also like establishing bank accounts, like you said, and other related um, assets. Yeah. So we work with five different Caribbean islands and Turkey. So there are only seven jurisdictions in the entire world that offer citizenship by investment, which basically means that you either donate money to a government fund or you purchase real estate in the country. And then mm -hmm. on this basis, they give you a passport. Okay. So there, there are those citizenship programs. And then there are also residency programs where basically, um, like we work with Mexico, for example. So their residency program is based on financial solvency. So you basically show the government that you have a certain amount in either a savings account, a brokerage account, um, income, certain income coming in every month. And then yeah. on that basis, they give you residency. But the main difference is that it's not a travel document. You just have access to that particular country. Right. And I'm sure you've read the book, The Sovereign Individual. Yeah, we call I it think, our second Bible. <laughs> yeah, I think many Bitcoiners have. And I, I remember when I read it like a couple of years ago, I was blown away because it was written in the 90s. And basically, yeah. for anyone that's listening that hasn't uh, read it yet, I won't give away everything. But it was written in the 90s before really the, the Internet was mainstream. And they came up with the idea of a digital currency that would be global, which is essentially Bitcoin, right? And then part of it as well was the idea of voting with your feet. So being able to go to a new jurisdiction if your local government's not serving you well. And I think COVID's a, honestly a perfect example of that. So what happened was Americans got locked down, right? We had some people weren't allowed to leave the country, even leave the state, uh, yeah. depending where you're trying to go. Um, and that really opened up the the thought pr process behind what what happens if the government actually goes the next step and really prevents me from leaving. So that really opens up the need, I guess, for an additional passport, additional bank accounts, whatever it may be yep. elsewhere, because you you just can't trust your government, even if it's supposed to be the best on the earth. I'm quoting like America. Yeah. yeah. So back to plan B then. Um, what is the most popular I guess, destination for people. Yeah, plan. so our top three are Antigua, St. Kitts, and St. Lucia for single applicants, which is the majority of our clientele. Um, St. Lucia is the most popular just because it's the least expensive. Okay. Um, Turkey has been, coming, has been becoming qu quite popular amongst um, American and Western country citizens just because it's considered the geographically and geopolitically detached passport. So, um, and with them, it's, it's pretty simple. You just buy real estate and then they give you a passport. Yeah. You mentioned St. Lucia being one of the cheapest. Yeah. What are we, what are we uh, looking at in terms of cost here? Yeah. So for St. Lucia, it's 135,000 and it's donation government fees and our fees. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think it's a super interesting product, especially the Bitcoiners that understand the, the need for jurisdictional arbitrage. So I'm glad you guys are pursuing that and there's somewhere to go to for this. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little more about your company specifically. How many um, employees do you guys have now? Yeah, so we have five of us now. Okay, nice. And do you expect to keep growing the team? Yeah, I mean, we're if we're hoping to scale it to the point where, you know, we want to, we would be able to, you know, hire on more people. Um, yeah. We like to keep it as lean as possible. Yeah. Um, and... Plus, like, we just want to include people on our team that are, you know, on the same playing field as us in terms of, like, principles and values, sure. you know. Yeah. So along the lines of that, then, is your team all full of Bitcoiners or yeah. what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all five. Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. And what is that like working with other Bitcoiners? Oh, it's great. I mean, I mean, we all get along. We're all hardworking. We all, you know, have the same goal. Uh, we all work really well together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny at the Bitcoin conference, we um, ended up bringing on another girl to help us work the booth and she's a Bitcoiner and mm. uh, she helped a company the year previous uh, at the Bitcoin conference and she did amazing. She um, learned the material really well, really easily. Uh, mm. She was able to communicate our product. Um, yeah, the Bitcoiners are the best to work with. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think for any startup as well, hiring Bitcoiners is advantageous because the synchronization between the teams, the people working together and going that extra mile, which you don't really see in other larger corporations. Um, so I don't know if that's, that's a startup thing or it's a Bitcoin startup thing, but yeah, hiring Bitcoiners is usually pretty good for your business. I would oh, say. For sure. Cause it's not just people, you know, just doing the amount of work that's required, not, you know, going the extra mile, the extra step and just actually, you know, passionate in the product. Yeah. Um, not just, okay, I'm going to do my nine to five, what's required of me. And like, cause like a startup, there's no, there's no real clocking out. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're always working. And, um, I feel like Bitcoiners, they, they're able to see that end goal and it's not a, okay. Yeah. I'm just here for like a job and it's fun. Like mm -hmm. whenever I visit Austin, for Katie and I to get work done, like we we're having fun while we're working. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like actual work. I could not agree more. And uh, it's part of work too, is like being on Twitter too. So it's like, you could scroll social media, but you're like, ah, I'm kind of working, I guess I'm networking. <laughs> no, exactly. Like my, the second half of my job is just shit posting on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, for you guys, especially like, yeah, the more attention you bring to your profile and then people check out plan B passport and that's new business for you. So yeah. Yeah. Like we've never well. actually paid for traditional marketing tools. Like we've never played for like, uh, paper clicks or like mm -hmm. Google ads or anything like that. Like our whole marketing was, is just us posting on Twitter and like podcast interviews. Yeah. So I want to shift the conversation more towards that, more towards, uh, people job seeking the space. Uh, and let's start with Twitter, because I think Twitter is a super powerful tool that's very underestimated by a lot of people. I think I saw a stat that's like, maybe I think it's like 95% of people like don't even post at all. Maybe they'll post like once or twice a month. They're just yeah. observers. And then there's the 5% that actually post that actually network um, and build a, a following a profile and all that. Uh, so for job seekers out there, how important is it to be using Twitter nowadays? I would say it's extremely important. I mean, we're seeing like media moving to Twitter, like Tucker, mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson just posted his entire- um, Yeah, getting like oh, tens of millions of views. Yeah, um, so I think, it's, I think it's incredibly critical. Like before I got on Twitter, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. I was like, what am I gonna go on Twitter for? Like what's, what's yeah. actually happening on there? Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's huge. I feel like if you want a job in the space, you just gotta put yourself out there, put your ideas out there. Um, even if you think that like other people are saying the same things, like you could probably, you could probably put a different spin on it. It's like every person is different. So no, there's no reason you shouldn't be putting your ideas out there. Yeah. And to me being a recruiter in the space too, it's, it's, it's a form of proof of work. 
So if you have this history of showing your ideas about Bitcoin, your interest in it, your passion for it, that makes the hiring process so much easier. Yeah. I'm curious, um, have you done any hiring through Twitter at all? Or do you look at someone's Twitter when you're considering a candidate? Yeah, for sure. So the girl we worked with in Miami, like I knew her through Twitter mm -hmm. uh, and I already knew like what her profile was. But yeah, definitely take into consideration their their Twitter profile for sure. Yeah. How much do you think it matters if you just take away their, their entire application? Someone's applying to a job at Plan B. Are you going to their Twitter first? Or, oh, yeah, or for sure. For okay. Sure. Yeah. So that's like a first round filter for you in a way. Mm -hmm. to see yeah. if this is someone, especially from, sounds like from you and Katie, you're looking for personality fits more than anything. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. what can someone listening right now, what can they do to really optimize their, their social media profiles, such as Twitter, to be attractive to a hiring manager such as yourself? Um, I would say to just be consistent with it, just mm -hmm. consistently putting yourself out there. Um, what else? I mean, like, if you want to be a non and put it and put yourself out there, I mean, you can absolutely do that. But if you I feel like if you want hiring managers to take yourself to take you seriously, you kind of need to put some part of you out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the biggest thing is just consistency. People who really want it, like they'll put in the time and effort of putting their ideas out there, putting out there what they want, what mm -hmm. they're looking for, um, you know, investing time into what outcome they want. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like consistency is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Consistency also shows that you're you're able to stick with something over time too, right? Yeah, for so. sure bringing them on your team, you know, you're hiring someone that it'll be at least consistent and disciplined in that aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I guess, related to the hiring process, uh, what else are you looking for in potential candidates aside from their social media and their Twitter as like a first filter? Um, I mean, the first, <laughs> the first questions we'd probably um, ask is like, do, like, do they know much about the sovereign individual thesis? Um, how freedom oriented are they? Um, how is it? How do they see the world? Mm -hmm. um, you know, is freedom important to them? Like, because I really couldn't see somebody who, you know, thinks, oh, I'm going to listen to the daddy government and like, <laughs> yeah. um, like, you know, do they know about the WEF? Like, I'm not saying that they need to be completely knowledgeable, knowledgeable on those topics, but I mean, at least like in the, in the lane of, they know what's happening in the world, um, and those kinds of things. Sure. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't even consider someone that's, uh, bowing down to daddy government. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you got, you're honestly pretty fortunate having been raised that way. I was not raised that way. And I had to kind of figure it out myself. I thought the government was looking out for us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very blessed to have been brought up that way. I mean, I had to go through a lot of uh, criticism where people thought I was like crazy. Yeah. And um, even even uneducated to a point where they're like, what's wrong with you? But I mean, not having to go through the um, new red pill phase of mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, like everything I've been taught has been a lie. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to go through that awakening, which is nice. And it's pretty wild to see 
um, a bunch of people coming to that realization, especially within the last three years. Right. Um, I mean, it's great to see, but it was nice to not have to go through that. Yeah. And I think part of my personal issues with not figuring out Bitcoin earlier is that I had to like unlearn everything I learned in public school. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of the process. And I want to dive a little more into your background with schooling. And you said you were homeschooled, right? Yep. What was that like? And how do you think that shaped you into the person you are now? Yeah. So it was great. I mean, so my mom went to a bunch of homeschooling conferences to figure out like which curriculum would be best for us. Mm -hmm. And I think the one that I went through, uh, I think it's still around, it's called Ace Pace and it's a Christian based curriculum. Mm -hmm. So basically they had like all the core subjects, English, math, science, history, literature, all yeah. this. And basically every day I would spend about two hours actually in the book and then everything outside of that time, I was a part of 4-H. So it's this basically where they have like everything under the sun. They have public speaking, cooking, sewing, yeah. um, how to raise animals. Um, just, I did everything. I was in dance. I ended up becoming a competitive figure skater. Mm -hmm. um, I did karate. Like I, <laughs> I literally did everything. So homeschooling really allowed me to pursue the things that I was interested in. Um, I wasn't, you know, constrained to sitting in a classroom for eight hours, which I feel like is totally unconducive to real learning. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we're talking about school like 15 years ago, like school now is completely different than it was back then. And even yeah. back then it was bad. Yeah. Um, so I really feel like homeschooling allowed me, I mean, it, I developed an insane amount of self-discipline, time management, um, basically just pursuing it. When I say that I'm interested in learning something, like it's happening. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I, I loved it. Yeah, I think that's part of the issue with public school as well. They don't, they, they kind of taught me to not like learning. And that's like the number one thing you should be optimizing for, at least in a child's yeah. development. Uh, and I think the reason I'm bringing this all up too, because a lot of Bitcoiners like talking about homeschooling and a lot of them are considering it, even if they weren't homeschooled themselves. Yeah. How do you think about homeschooling in the future? And how can someone set up their, their kid for a job, uh, maybe in the Bitcoin industry? Like how can you start teaching them now um, in a homeschool manner, I guess, to be yeah. ready for a job? In the industry. No, for sure. And and this is part of the reason why we're doing the whole sovereign individual thesis. So for anybody who doesn't know about it, basically, Katie and I hold in what we call an unconference once a year, mm -hmm. where we go into all the different rabbit holes that Bitcoiners are into outside of Bitcoin. So like, unschooling, home birth, um, self defense, yeah. home security, homesteading, just basically everything. So yeah. we're doing an email series for before the conference and we're talking about all those things. And mm -hmm. I feel like the best way to either homeschool or unschool is just to allow your children to just be interested in what, in what they're interested in. Just mm -hmm. allow their creativity to run wild because public school just basically de-incentivizes de creativity and, you know, you're only focused on like getting the right answer, um, you know, listening to the teacher, there's no like free thinking or creativity involved. It's basically just, you have to fit in this box. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, I mean, the, basically, they're just trying to pump out good workers, workers and listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. And um, I feel like Bitcoiners, really, they're the opposite of that because we're able to see the world for how it really is. Sure. And, um, you know, basically just opting out of the systems that they have lined up for us. Yeah. What Bitcoin adjacent topics are you really excited about right now? Ooh, um, I'm really excited about like, do you mean like lightning, like those kinds of no more adjacent stuff? Like you said, like homesteading or yeah. maybe self defense. Yeah. So, I mean, I love guns. I love, I love shooting. When I was mm -hmm. in college, I'd go shooting like three, four times a week. Um, I'm taking a concealed carry class right now, which is super fun. Yeah. Um, definitely self-defense, home birth, because that's something I'm going to want to do eventually. Hmm. Um, homesteading, I think is super cool. Um, I want to have like chickens and cows and goats and, you know, definitely. Yeah. in my backyard yeah um so yeah definitely all that stuff yeah i would agree i find myself going down a very similar path uh being raised basically anti-guns and then this past year getting one for myself getting my concealed carry and all that learning how to shoot yeah. and i kind of give it up to bitcoin to be honest in the community just promoting these these topics that i if i never found bitcoin i probably wouldn't be pursuing but I'm, yeah. I'm very glad that I did because there's people like yourself uh, that are promoting these things. And I think it leads to a better life, a more sovereign life too. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Because it's funny through Bitcoin, you realize that the food system is broken. The incentivize, the incentivizations of the pharmaceutical companies, of doctors, mm -hmm. of the school system, of government, of obviously how our money works. And basically how all these systems are broken and they're they put you in a bubble to make you think that like nothing's wrong it's mm -hmm. all fine it's all temporary nothing to see here um and you know it really leads you down a bunch of rabbit holes yeah definitely and from a i guess a bitcoiners perspective and you mentioned you, you plan on having kids eventually how are you thinking about um college education do you think there's going to be a need for it in the future I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe for like, if you want to become, I mean, obviously like you would know as a, as a civil engineer, like there are certain things obviously that you need to, you need to learn. Um, but in terms of how college is run now, I feel yeah. like it would, I feel like it'd probably change. The incentivizes will change. Um, people like, you know, how, how we work as plan B, we're forcing governments to compete for the fruits of our labor and our wealth. Yep. I feel like everything's going to change in terms of college, food systems, uh, everything. Yeah, it's more decentralized, more peer-to-peer -peer, um, and localized too. Yeah. Right. Is anyone uh, part of the Plan B program? Is anyone actively building out a citadel? <laughs> um, I think there's one that I know of, not like related to us, but I just know that they're working on it. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, in Austin, there's kind of a little citadel happening yeah. all on its own. Um, yeah. there's a huge Bitcoin community there, which is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, like my family's out there. I, I love Austin, even though, you know, it's like, it's, it's not the ideal city, but in terms of like my Bitcoin bubble, it's great there. 
Yeah, I just went for the first time a few months ago th during like the South by Southwest events. Uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. yeah, popping by the commons there was an amazing experience. And anyone listening right now, if you've never been to the Bitcoin commons, essentially what it is, it's just like a, uh, a, a place for any any Bitcoiner really to work. So there's open tables I and mean, conversations happening. Sometimes there's events and it really gives you the opportunity to see what people are working on in the Bitcoin space. Uh, so if you ever get the chance to go somewhere like the Bitcoin Commons or there's Bitcoin Park in Nashville, yep. highly suggest going to either of those and checking out. I haven't been to Bitcoin Park, no. But yeah. when I was working at Bitcoin Magazine last year, I've been to Nashville a few times, but I don't think it was uh, up and standing yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm dying to go there. Like, I need yeah. to get there. I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully this year or so. We'll see. I know definitely there for next year, the Bitcoin Commerce will be there. So. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. That's going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. Nashville is a really unique place, and uh, it's more aligned towards, I guess, Bitcoin-focused individuals. Just, yeah. I don't know, just like the ethos of the city. Yeah, for uh, sure. And a nice break from Miami, too. I mean, we've been here for years. <laughs> I couldn't do that heat, honestly. The humidity after a little bit. I was just so dumb. Yeah, the humidity is something else. Yeah. Um. Okay, jump back into plan B here. What do you do day to day as a COO? Yeah, so um, mainly we take like, so, okay, we offer calls where basically we go over um, their personal flag theory. So we figure out where they're coming from, uh, what goals they're looking to uh, obtain, um, who, they, who they would include on their application, um, basically just developing their flag theory. So yeah. whenever we have calls scheduled, I'll, I take those. Um, Katie and I basically will, right now we're talking about, um, the underground Citadel. So putting that together, um, our email marketing campaigns, um, what else? Tweeting. Yeah. 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 So it's really a mix of things. It's yeah. It's kind of yeah. what, what's needed day to day. And I think that's, I'm glad you highlighted that because that's what a lot of Bitcoin startups, how they operate as well. You have to be yeah, ready yeah. to do whatever yeah, it takes. Yeah, wear many do. hats. Yeah. 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 Um, Cool. What's what's a piece of advice you give to someone that's looking to work in the Bitcoin industry? Hmm. What's something actionable they could do right now? If you don't have a Twitter account, make a Twitter account. Okay. If you do have a Twitter account and don't use it, start to use it. Mm -hmm. um, just network. If there's a Bitcoin meetup near you, definitely go to those. Those are awesome. Um, whenever I can, I go to the ones in Miami. And it's it's just... I can't, if you only know what I'm talking about until you actually experience it yourself, when you sure. go to a Bitcoin meetup and you're just surrounded by this energy of, I don't even know the right word, but it's just like this energy of, okay, I'm surrounded by my people. Mm -hmm. It's something that you have to experience yourself. So definitely get to a Bitcoin meetup if you haven't. And yeah. if there isn't one near you, start one. Um, I know that... Uh, if you just tweet about it, like people, people will go. Mm -hmm. uh, so just mainly just put yourself out there. Like the worst that can happen is somebody says no, and like, that's okay. You just move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just put yourself out there. I think that's great advice. Cause I, I talk to a lot of people that are job seeking in the Bitcoin industry and they say, okay, what are you doing? And they say, I'm submitting my resume and I'm waiting to hear a call back. And I'm like, it's not enough. Yeah. You gotta go and put yourself out there. Uh, so when you're putting yourself out there, I guess, think back to like the first time you went to a conference or a Bitcoin meetup, were you scared at all to attend? 
No, no, not at all. I mean, mainly what I was doing, I was just putting my ideas out there on how important I view freedom and individual sovereignty, um, individual freedoms, mm -hmm. basically how, you know, how the world was operating at the moment. I was like, they're <laughs> restricting your freedom of movement. Like some people just did not realize how detrimental that was to their freedoms and they were just like oh like it's fine but they're looking out for my best interests so i'm like but no but they're not right. oh so, um no i i wasn't i wasn't afraid at all i mean i've always like i was just really just excited to meet people that viewed this the world the way i did yeah. um, because i just hadn't had that for a while yeah i agree uh it's 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 tough trying to talk about bitcoin with your like your maybe your high school friends or you know previous friends before Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm off a little crazy person, but the yeah. reality is when you start thinking for yourself, um, you realize how much the world needs Bitcoin mm -hmm. and these related topics as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as we wrap this up here, um, is there anything to look forward to that you can tease out in terms of plan B, like any upcoming uh, jurisdictions you guys would be opening up or anything else related? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we're trying to make El Salvador happen. We're trying to yeah, make... Yeah, I'm surprised it's not yet. Yeah, I know. We we literally have written up an entire proposal and bill to submit to President Bukele. Well, basically, we wrote up this bill to create a program that's tailored towards Bitcoiners. Mm -hmm. Like, we have a list of, like, a thousand Bitcoiners that want El yep. Salvador citizenship. So, we're looking to make that happen um you know constantly on the lookout for different jurisdictions that yeah. you know offer certain freedoms that people are looking for and underground citadel if anybody's in austin before it's gonna be right before bitblock boom it's mm -hmm. gonna be august 23rd it's gonna be awesome um we're gonna go all go over over all those different topics homesteading home birth self-defense um all the all the good stuff yeah i think i'm gonna try to make it out of bit block boom so when i buy a ticket i'll make sure to grab a ticket for underground citadel too perfect i actually have one more question for you do you guys are you guys thinking about like company jurisdictional art arbitrage too or are you focused on just helping out like individuals and families yeah so mainly we just offer individuals and families but i mean we still talk about like company jurisdictional arbitrage yeah. like we we um currently work with uae and establishing um a business there just because it's zero corporate tax yeah um el salvador they recently came out it would be zero corporate tax for tech companies so right. that's cool but yeah right. we're always um open to talk to you about that that's interesting yeah because i I mean, my personal like Bitcoin talent of the company and other Bitcoin companies, I'm sure, are thinking about the same exact thing. Because yeah, why sure. pay capital gains and every other tax under the sun uh, for the United States? So <laughs> exactly. I'm excited to see what you guys build here over the future. Um, can you leave the audience with the best way to get in contact with you and follow you on social media? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can either email me at jessica at planbpassport.com or you can DM me on Twitter just at Jessica Hodler. Always happy to talk to you on there. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jessica, and I hope to catch you soon at a Bitcoin conference or maybe Bitcoin Park, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me. All right. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you found value in this podcast. If you are a job seeker looking to work for a Bitcoin company 
or you're a part of a Bitcoin company and need help with finding talent for your team, please head over our website at www.bitcointalent.co and get in touch with our team. Thanks until next time.